Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mercy is the mark of a great man. Oh. Oh. Guess I'm just a good man. Oh. Well, I'm all right. You are not Captain Kirk. You do not belong in charge of the Enterprise and I shall do everything in my power against you. You know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in command here. Frequently appalled by the low regard you Earthmen have for life. to another exciting post-pounding edition of SFP Now and joining me to go over the uh, go over some news and general sci-fi nerdy discussion this week is uh, my good friend Patrick Hayes and now last week in news how you doing Pat pretty good how you doing Ian I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I've had a, I've had quite an exciting um, couple of weeks. Uh, I got to interview Jane Badmer last week from V. She's going to oh, be on. Wow. She's the main interview in this show. Um, I also got to interview uh, Joe Pearson, who's a he's, he's a producer, director, and, and um, writer. Who's uh, he's got a great film coming out on April first um, called War of the Worlds Goliath, which is kind of an official. Um, it's not official, but it's. Um, it's it's basically a sequel to the original H.G. Wells stories, War of the Worlds, and oh, wow. and it's set uh, fifteen years after the 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 original story ends, and it's set during the outbreak of World War One. Oh, nice! So you got all you know. So you got all these uh, you got all these cameos from people like Teddy Roosevelt and the Red Baron and 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 stuff going going on like that, and you know. Um, they reverse engineered the alien technology, uh, <laughs> and and the, the form this uh, this sort of like united fighting force of Earth called Ares. <laughs> oh wow! Which, and it's a it's a it's a really cool film. Um, anyway, the interview in, on next week's show is with Joe Pearson, and it's quite a long interview, so that's why it's on next week's show. It's going to take us about a week to edit. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, that that's next week. So, and uh, my other news is I went to see Captain America: Winter Soldier over weekend. Oh, and I hate you for that. We don't get that in America until Friday. Oh. <laughs> but it came out. Uh, it came out last week on Thursday here in the UK. Um, you know, I think the preview to it on Thursday at all the cinemas. Cause usually, you know, they usually sort of like show it the day before. It's officially meant to premiere, but do it on the QT sort of thing. But I went to see it on Friday, and I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm dying! I'm dying to see that movie. I, I think um, I think you'll like it. I read one comment that said it's better than the Avengers. Um, oh, I'm not going to say it's better on, than the Avengers, but I will say it's fairly on par with the Avengers. Wow! You know. I won't, I won't say it's better, but I think it's on par with Avengers. Um, right. The the first Captain America movie was great with the World War II stuff and then brought up to the modern era, so they keep him pretty much like a fish out of water there? Yeah, he's a fish out of water. Um, he, he's still trying to adapt to the way S.H.I.E.L.D. does things, and uh, and and he doesn't like the way Nick Fury um, handle, handles um, hands-out missions. Uh, for example, they're on a mission at the beginning, and he he's got the main mission doing all the fighting and stuff like that. Whereas uh, Black Widow has a has a side mission that he isn't even aware of, sort of thing, and Ooh. and he, he he takes Nick Fury to task over that. Oh, nice! Um, and, and 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 this you know this middle things like that, and uh, and also he meets Falcon right at the very beginning of the film. 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but he's so like he, he doesn't know he's Falcon Fal- Fal- right at the very beginning of the film. He, he just meets him while he's on his morning run. Right. Sort of thing, and and they sort of like having a little bit of banter back and forth, and you know it's quite cute. And Falcon says, "Well, you know, to you know to catch up on everything that's happened over the last uh, few years since be since being defrosted, you know, just listen to this album by Marvin Gaye." <laughs> so, so it's a, a, I can't remember the name of the album, but it's 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 that that really iconic album that Marvin Gaye released that that, that everyone should listen to apparently. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so there's there's middle things like, like that in it, but I I really enjoyed the film. I thought I thought it was it was fantastic fun. Um, and you know if I had if I had the money to do to do it, I'd go see it again. But the trouble is, it's on like it's like ten pound. It's uh, it's, you know it cost me about eight pound I think, and it cost me something like two pound for a bottom of bottom of flavored water. Oh. While I was in the cinema, so the over the overall. You know, sitting in cinema while having a drink was like a tenner. Um, wow. And as you know, um, ten, ten pounds is probably somewhere in the region of twenty dollars. Yeah. You know, so it's um, you know, so if it was a little bit less expensive, I'd go see it again. Or, wow. You know, I'm just gonna have to wait for it to come on VOD or DVD or Blu-ray something. I'll probably get it through the Sony network on VOD because I've started getting, I've started building a connection on the Sony network. I've got four to. Um, I've got Escape Plan and Hunger Games Catching Fire all on, all on Sony Network, <laughs> you know, right. through PlayStation. Um, I'm basically doing that way so I don't have all these DVDs cluttering up the place. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's a really enjoyable film. I, I think when you see it, you'll love it. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. I'm going to go see it with my brother and some friends, and we're going to do it on the cheap. We're going to go see it at a Saturday matinee, so it'll only cost about maybe $7 to get in, which is about maybe £4 to go in to see the movie. Well, it's cheaper over there anyway, you guys. Yeah, but I'm going to be even cheaper and get in for as little as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's um, good fun. Um, but, you know, on, on to some, on to some uh, news. I'm going to start off, actually, um, with, with a news bit that I found. Um, and apparently, this is from Warner Brothers, and apparently J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter spin-off, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, is likely to get a movie trilogy. I saw that. I can't believe it. N- neither can I. I mean, you know, w- w- was all, you know, how many Harry Potter movies were there, like six? There, was, there were six. Well, they took one and they split it into se- seven, so there's seven of them. Yeah. You know, how how much money is she going to make out of this, you know? I mean, she's probably already a multi-millionaire-ess or billionaire-ess. Yeah, I think she's given away more money to charity than any other living human being of late. Mm-hmm. It's probably because she's making so much. She, she yeah, she has to give it away. She just doesn't, you know... Don't I just wish I was in that position. I mean, I think, oh heck yeah! You know, I, think, I can't believe I can't believe they're making this movie though because I mean I'm one of the people who's cried. I mean I'm liking the, um, the new Hobbit movies, but that's one one book that they're milking for three movies, and it's like a hundred and twenty page book. Mm. This this book that J.K. Rowling wrote, the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, that's a fifty four page book. They're going to turn into three movies. Damn. What are they going to do to make it stretch that long? I mean, is are they going to get in, I don't know, um, the director of Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson's going to direct it? Is that how they're going to stretch it out? Mm, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, the thing is, with, 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 with The Hobbit, you can believe they can stretch out because can, they can take the stuff that they didn't use from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Right, and I know they're pulling stuff from other books, but even The Hobbit needs some editing. It's a little long in spots. I don't know how they're going to pull this off for Harry Potter. I mean, it's got none of the familiar characters in the movies at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that, that is an issue. It's also set 70 years after, or is it right. 70 years before? I think it's I think it's before, because it's one of the textbooks that they use. Yeah, 70 years before, and they're, they're t- saying that they're going to set it in New York. See, I, that's I don't want it set in New York. It should it should be a European book set primarily in England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of inclined to agree with you. Um, I mean, I got to admit, and a lot of people that listen to the show are going to be hissing and booing and jeering at me. But I wasn't a fan of the Harry Potter books or the movies. I just kind of thought it was wizard shit. <laughs> I'm sure that's a spell somewhere. 
and 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 to be honest, you know, so like, um, I, I I couldn't really see the fuss about uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Um, that boy, you know, maybe very pretty in his glasses <laughs> and you know his uh, his mop top or whatever, but you know, um, guy can't act. <laughs> oh, see, I, I like I like the books. I read all the books. Um, matter of fact, I irritated my family by reading them first because I would sit down and just read them in a couple hours because they're pretty easy to read. They're not intended for adults. And um, I enjoyed the movies. I thought the last movie didn't really need to be stretched um, to, into two movies. But I, I find them enjoyable. I mean, if they make more Harry Potter movies, I know I'll go see them with my daughters. They both love to wear Slytherin shirts. So Yeah, I mean, I, you know, so like I, I watched them with my nephew, but I, I, just, I just thought I found them all to be... They're all over two and a half hours, and the fall, uh, you know, there was moments where I was just falling asleep, <laughs> you know, out of boredom. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, um, couple of deaths this week that that I think are worth talking about. Um, you know, you you um you, you posted a story um about Lorenzo Semple Jr., creator of the yeah. TV series, passing away. Right. And damn, he must have been what in his nineties. Yeah. And um, he did a lot more than Batman. I was really impressed. I didn't know that he wrote um, some other big-time movies like um, Three Days of the Condor, starring Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. He got he got booted from that movie, but he started it. And same thing with uh, Sean Connery's last outing as James Bond, Never Say Never Again. That was him. Yeah, also, like, um, I, I'm not sure I forgive him for writing that movie, because I was basically just to rehash a Thunderball anyway. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it was uh, any opportunity to get Sean Connery as James Bond, I'm more than happy to check out. Well, the only reason I watched that movie was because, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the actress, um, the very dark, dark-haired actress that was in it. Yes, um, yes. Very Asian-looking, um, I can't remember the name of her. But that, she was the only reason I watched, because I, I had a mad, mad, mad crush on her. I can't remember the actress's name, but I think the character's name was Fatima Blush. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, and then that's all, movie's also famous because it has a young Kim Basinger in the role, in the role of the blonde girl. Yeah, I didn't watch it for her. <laughs> you know, I've never really, I never really saw the appeal of Kim Basinger, to be honest. Oh, she's she's not too hard on the eyes. I'll say that he um he also uh, wrote the movie um and a lot of people either love it or hate it. For me, I was at the right age. The nineteen eighty Flash Gordon movie with Sam Jones. I loved the nineteen eighty Flash Gordon movie. Um, yeah, I love how you know it was very it was very very campy, but you know I loved the fact that it was so like it was full glorious Technicolor and it you know it so like uh, it borrowed much from the 30s serials and updated it yeah you know and and, and did it did it well yeah and it looked it looked gorgeous they had great actors in the parts and with a soundtrack by queen you can't go wrong mm-hmm. and um also, also um the princess aura was pretty hot Oh yeah, Ornella Mutai, I think. Uh, Aninia Mutai. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Pardon my pronunciation. Oh, Aninia Mott. But yeah, she 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 was pretty hot. Um, I didn't think much of Dale Dale Arden them. Oh yeah. You know, I I suppose she was kind of pretty, but you know, I just couldn't I just couldn't get over how how high her hairline was and the forehead. <laughs> You know, I thought, was she auditioning for Star Trek? <laughs> hey, now, don't go there. <laughs> don't go there, Ian. <laughs> and and she was also in Manimal, wasn't she? Yes, she was. That, that Simon McCorkendale series that only went, ran for one season. Right, right. You know, because it was uh, so terrible that it just didn't get picked up for another season. I, I think that's, you know, I, I personally think it's a shame that show was cancelled. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't tried to bring that show back in some format. It wouldn't be that expensive, I would think. It probably wouldn't. You know, they could do it a lot cheaper now with CGI and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, and it'd look a lot more believable, that's for sure. And, you know, when you, when you also when you think about it, you know, back then, one of the reasons that it was cancelled was probably due to the expense of it, you know, because... And, and also the fact that it probably wasn't getting the, getting the audience that they, they hoped it was, but... You know, the thing is, you know, we've had so many science fiction shows happen over over recent years and, and, and this and that, that, you know, I, I think there's room to bring some of these older shows back. Oh, absolutely. And, and reimagine them. I mean, another one I'd like to see reimagined would be uh, would have been that fantastic journey. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd love to see that reimagined. 
Um, you know, um, oh god, um, the, the kid from Escape to Witch Mountain was in that, wasn't he? Right. You know, Scotty's Scotty's nephew. Right, right. I forget the actor's name, uh, and I met him as well. I'm sort of spanking. Eric Eisenman. Um, Eric Eisenman. Something, something Eisman. I, I, I Eisen, uh, Eisenman. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Very, very strong Jewish name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he was in it. I've I've actually met him. He's a he's a really nice guy. Oh, that's cool. Um, you know, he's on like um, when at the time I met him um, in in the early two thousands, he was running his own sort of like animation studio. Oh wow! That was producing sort of like uh, edutainment, um, ed- edutainment sort of like uh, software and, um, and and DVDs and stuff like that for kids. Right. Well, that's cool. So yeah, um, but yeah, I I think they should bring Manimal back. Yeah. Complete with the tacky cheat. Complete with <laughs> complete with the cheesy theme tune. What was it now? Da, 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 oh, yeah. da, it was something like that one. It was sort of like it was just sort of like very very sort of like late seventies, early eighties synthesizer. Right. Stuff, but it was quite a catchy tune. <laughs> you know, you know. But I, I I've just got an ear like that. I pick up on tunes from from TV shows and stuff like that. It's really sad. Um, another death this weekend. Um, this is a very sad one. Um, Kate O'Mara. I saw that one um, too. I was surprised. Barani, seventy four. You know, and um, it's it, it's kind of surprising for me because um, I ran I ran excerpts from an interview with her um, late last year, probably around about November, oh. and and she was saying that she'd love to return to Doctor Who to the new series of Doctor Who and reprise Arani. Oh, you know and. It's it's kind of sad because she never got to do it, and I I kind of you know although I didn't really much care for the character in the eighties, I I would have been kind of curious to see how she would have done it now. Yeah. You know because um because obviously she wouldn't have had the shoulder pads or she might have kept the shoulder pads. <laughs> you know? And it was kind of like the shoulder pads and the, and the campness that bothered me about Dot Two in the eighties. So it went a little bit too camp. Right. During Nathan Turner's during during John Nathan Turner's reign, to be honest, <laughs> and you know I just hated the overall campness of it. You know even that that two doctors thing, I've got that, and I, I was I saw like watching it, and though it's written by one of the greatest Doctor Who writers to ever grace this earth, uh, Robert Holmes, right? Um, I I just saw like well no the shit. <laughs> You know, I just felt the, I felt the Sontarans were underutilized, and and the whole song sort of like uh, you know the Mad Chef that was wanting to cut Perry and right and, and and that whole you know I just felt you know just take that whole thread out and just make make it a battle of wits between a Doctor and Sontarans you know that that's what I wanted. Yeah, they weren't gonna go there. <laughs> yeah, because they were rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's sad that she's died. Do you know when she was in Dynasty? Yeah, I know. I when she passed away, and I saw the first um, obituaries online. I thought, here's the difference between America and the United Kingdom, because I knew in the United Kingdom they would say actress from Doctor Who passes away, and in America it's saying Dynasty actress passes away. Well, you know, you know, we had a, a few few UK tabloids say Dynasty actress passed away. Because she was more known for Dynasty than she was Doctor Who. She only did two Doctor Who episodes, remember? Right, but I mean, she's a pretty big name among Who fans or science fiction fans. So I, I was surprised, but I wasn't surprised that that's the way it's been handled in some cases. Well, she was in quite a bit of stuff. I mean, she was in a. Um, I, I, the first time I remember seeing her actually was um, in 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 nineteen eighty uh, soap opera, which ran for about two seasons. It was kind of like a drama series called Triangle. And she played right. she played the captain of a cruise ship. And really? I, yeah, it was very it was very nineteen eighties, uh, you know, song like shoulder pads and stuff like that. Oh only the thing is in this thing she was in bed with so many people that are bitching and sniping that, you know, you kinda of wondered <laughs> when you kinda of wonder where she was find, finding the time to actually command the cruise ship. <laughs> you know? Um Did they did they get lost on the trip at all? No, they didn't. They didn't quite go that far. Um, but there was, you know, she was in a bikini at the start of the very first episode of it, and they they kind of like you use that as stock footage throughout the series, I think. <laughs> but you know, it's she she did that, and she did a she did she did a show called Howard. Wasn't End. she also in? A, wasn't she on Z Cars? 
I, I, I actually don't remember Zed Cars. I remember the music to it, but I don't remember the series because I wasn't really old enough to see it. Right. I've seen a couple online, so I thought she, I thought she was in that as well. Yeah. You, you, you call it Z Cars. We call it Zed Cars. Right. Right. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You know, I, I've never actually watched an episode of Zed Cars. I must check it out. Yeah. It's it's pretty dated, but I mean it's interesting to watch. Mm. Yeah, I think that was back in the day when we called the uh, these cars jam butties. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because basically the they were kind of like um, yeah they the white and white and they were sort of like this kind of like orangey stripe right across, so we called them jam butties. Huh. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but it's sad about uh, Kate O'Mara passing away, you know, especially given that she she expressed a wish to return to Doctor Who. Yeah, I'm hoping if they bring back the Rani, and it, it could be done, that they acknowledge her at least in some way. Yes, so so do I. I'm hoping that, you know, I, I don't know, I mean, which actress could you see playing the Rani? Oh my god, I couldn't tell you. Mm. I, I couldn't tell you. With Peter Capaldi as an older Doctor, you'd have to have an older Rani. I, I actually think it might be better to actually have a, a younger Rani. Yeah, it, it again. It all depends on who they get, and I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I but, could not say. But when I say younger Rani, I don't mean I don't mean a twenty something. I mean I mean more along lines of a thirty something. Right, late thirties, early forties. Yeah, well, sort of mid thirties. You know, mid thirties to mid forties. I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, sort of like um, if you if you go late thirties to early forties, you know, I I I, I go thirty five or thirty five to forty five. Okay. Yeah. Um. God, I can't think of someone who'd be good. I mean, I suppose if you wanted to go, you know, the the the, the route and have someone, you know, around about the same age of uh, age as um, Peter Capaldi, you could always you could always use somebody, uh, maybe like uh, Emma Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. You know, it it be 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 a complete role reversal for her because she she usually plays quite innocent sort of characters. Right. Right. I don't know. Nanny McPhee was kind of hardcore. <laughs> I, I didn't bother with Nanny McPhee. <laughs> don't don't ring really, don't ring really going for kids movies too much. <laughs> oh, I, when I I had to take my daughters to go see that. So. Or you know, I, you know, maybe maybe Emma Thompson could do it. In fact, Emma Thompson probably a good doctor. Yeah, I could see her as the doctor easily. If you if you wanted to wanted to do do the thing that I I I just can't see them doing was casting a female doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as um, Hangam Miram says, BBC don't have the balls to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, she's right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, do you have any news? Um, yeah, I got something that just came out today. I have a little two-part Star Wars news. Since Star Wars is going to start clogging up internets everywhere with uh, photos being released and whatnot, since they start to film next month, oh, um, it got out that Dominic Monaghan of Lost Fame met with J.J. Abrams, and of course, Star Wars came up, and um, Dominic asked, you know, are there any roles available, and uh, Abrams said, I want to go with a completely unknown cast, because Harrison Ford wasn't really wide no- widely known at the time, and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher definitely weren't, so he doesn't want to cast somebody where people will watch the movie and go, oh, that's so-and-so from that other movie that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty pretty smart idea on his part. I, I think it's a very smart idea because the trouble is with the uh, with the prequel trilogy, every single actor that was cast in the main role we'd seen. Yeah. You know the thing. Yes. Yeah. You know maybe maybe you and McGregor um, in America not so much, but here we'd seen right. you and McGregor in a lot of stuff. Right. Um, and same thing with Liam Neeson. He'd been around in a couple things, so he was familiar as well in America. So kind of ruined a little bit of the movie. Yeah, well, Liam Neeson, you know, I was quite happy to accept Liam Neeson, you know, on, on, on the bases. But he was kind of like the Obi-Wan character that saw like seen off right. in the film. I mean, if you remember the original film, you had you had you had you had your well-known actors in it. You had Alec Guinness and you um you Peter know, Cushing. And you had Peter Cushing. And and they were, they were just sort of like, uh, well, Peter Cushing was there for the one film and Angit Guinness was, uh, you know, he returned sort of thing. Right. You know, so I think I think he needs to have at least, you know, one or two big name actors or maybe playing the older roles. Right. And, yeah. and speaking of the older roles, um, one cast member from previous movies looks like he's coming back. 
Um, Peter Mayhew, who plays Chewbacca, was scheduled to appear at a uh, convention in uh, Texas cool. called co- called uh, Comic Palooza, and they just announced today on their website that Peter uh, Mayhew has canceled due to filming. Oh, you know what I've got to say to that? Mm. <laughs> I can't do a Chewbacca. That's that's the best I can do. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think that's great news. When Chewbacca appeared in uh, episode um, three of Star of the Prequels, uh, the audience just went crazy. And when Yoda jumped on his back, the audience, any appearance by Chewbacca, people go crazy. So I say bring him on. Because in the books later on, Chewbacca's killed off rather early in all the novels. Yeah, I've never read any of those novels, you know. Oh, I've read them all religiously, sadly. Mm, yeah, so like, I think I think someone needs to, um, you know, you, you need to like uh, sit down with me one day and just take me through everything that happened in these in these novels in in chronological order, dying oh. and all. I expect sound effects too. So, what's the other bit of Star Wars? Oh, that is the other bit of Star Wars news. That's my two my two little Star Wars news, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more stuff popping up real soon. I'm real interested to see if um, Anthony Daniels gets called back for the movies. Oh, dear. That's right. <laughs> you know. A two! A two! Yeah. What's up, a two? I'm a classically trained actor. I shouldn't be doing this shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it pays the bills and then some, Anthony. <laughs> Sorry, that was, that was just a really bad parody. <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, so like, um, I'm, I'm really excited for it. Um, and, you know, the fact that Abrams is casting unknowns has made me so much more excited because that, that way it can backtrack their careers and, and look at what TV shows they guest starred in before they right. hit the right. big screen. You know, such as, um, let's see, uh, Mark Hamill playing a, playing, playing a troubled street thug in the uh, streets of San Francisco. Right, <laughs> and and I think I think that was in the final season of Streets as well when Richard Hatch took over from, from from um from from the other guy from Douglas, yeah, yeah, Michael Douglas, yeah. So I think think he was in the final season, um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger was in that final season as well. Oh wow! <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see 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 these these young actors pop up in about you know twenty years time in 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 in, in TV series. That they've lifted them from, right? <laughs> um, or, or, or what have you? Um, because that, that that was a that was a fun aspect. I mean, I think when I think when they did Star Wars, I think Harrison Ford had only really done maybe two films, right? And he'd had little bit parts. He hadn't had a lead at all. Yeah, I think he had a part in American Graffiti. Yeah, he's in American Graffiti. He um, drag races against one of the characters against uh, Paul Lamatt. And he had a part as a waiter in 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 another film. Um, the merry-go-round something or other, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has a um, an uncredited cameo in uh, the sequel to American Graffiti, more American Graffiti. A police officer pulls over one of the characters, a highway patrol officer, and it's Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Which makes makes for quite a nice segue, I think. Oh, yes. This has actually been... This news, well, it's a week old now, but it's something that is worth talking about, even though... It's kind of technically being kiboshed by some people at Lucasfilm, um, but the fact that it came up and the fact that he came out last week um, and and stuff like that, and they're denying it, there's got to be a little bit of truth to it. I reckon. Yeah. And and basically, Patrick, do you want to go for it? Sure. Got reported on a website that there was going to be another Indiana Jones trilogy. And they were going to replace Harrison Ford with another actor. And the actor that they were considering was Bradley Cooper. Yeah, they, they've actually, um, you know, they've actually put, they've actually frozen him in carbonite until such <laughs> times as they do the movie. You know, yeah. because basically it took them about 18 years to do the last one. And they're a bit concerned that a rigor might set in if they don't. So I just put, put, put Bradley Cooper on ice. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm, you know, if this does happen, and um, I know it's been kind of kiboshed by someone at Lucasfilm, um, you know, sort of like um, claiming it's rumour, it's been been vehemently denied right. since it came out. I, I think there's a little truth to it. I do too. And um, as much as I love Harrison Ford, and I love Indiana Jones, 
I don't think he can do another movie. I really think, and this breaks my heart to say it, I think he's too old to do another movie. Mm-hmm. And Doors Game? Mm, I'm well. Yeah, I think I think that song. I think Endor's game is 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 a proof that he's too old to do another movie. Yeah, he can do. I just don't know. He was really wackadoo at the Oscars when he got up to speak. Uh, Ender's game. He was okay, but it was really a one-dimensional part, and he really seemed to be walking through it. Yeah. It didn't seem to be any joy in it. He didn't seem to be enjoying. Now he looked like he was enjoying himself in. Um, the uh, baseball movie he did where he plays Branch Rickey, that looked like he was really enjoying the part, you could tell. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to rent that, actually, on, on, on VOD. So I've seen it, and uh, it's quite interesting. I like baseball movies, although I don't know nothing about baseball. <laughs> right, you don't you don't have to to watch. It's really baseball is secondary in it. But um, I just I just don't see it. So I'm I'm all for the recast. I, I I'm for the recast as well. I mean, you know, the last Indiana Jones film, you could tell that you could tell that he was enjoying himself, but you could also tell that he was kind of struggling with the action. I don't think he did a lot of the action, to be honest. I think a lot a lot of the action, it's it's the back of his head, and I'm thinking it's stuntmen most of the time. Mm-hmm. And and also, you know, this this kind of uh, troubles me as well because I've been watching for the last week since that story came out. I've gotten through the second season of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and I'm so I'm mostly through the third season now. And last night I watched the uh, Mystery of the Blues, which is the, uh, oh, the episode yeah. in which Harrison Ford makes his cameo in. Right. And that cameo was meant to be set in the nineteen fifties, which is the same time period as the last movie was set in. Right. And it's kind of it's kind of strange watching it. Yeah. Because he looks much younger in that than he does in, than does in the, the last Indiana Jones film. Right, and he's got a beard in that in the young Indiana Jones too. Yeah, and and it, and the beard actually has a a bit you know brown bit sting in it, <laughs> and and his hair's still you know mostly kind of brown sort of thing. So. Well, that that's because he drank from the Holy Grail, so he's going to be a little younger for a while, of a time. Yeah, well, I, I guess um, I, I guess being being given you know being being given a quest to track down a skull to track down a crystal skull is um, is going to age anyone. Yeah, or I think just tolerating Shia LaBeouf for a whole movie. Yeah, my my nephew, you know, mentioned this news story to my nephew, and it's oh, does you get Shia LaBeouf to do it? And I said, oh, no, thank you. No. Yeah, and says guy can't act. I'm going, oh, he can. He can't act. <laughs> no. You know, you know. So like, um, my nephew's getting very much into films at the moment, and his favorite actor for the moment is Denzel Washington. Oh, well, there you go. Is, you know, so he's got some taste, and he's yeah. very, you know, he also he also likes uh, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, and I think at first I was kind of down on Bradley Cooper, but I got to thinking he's going to win an Academy Award within ten years or less easily. He keeps picking movies that people like and make money and the Academy likes. So he'd be perfect for Indiana Jones. Yeah. And and also he's not made any missteps. I mean, you know, I was thinking when you posted that story last week, I, I just thought to myself when I seen the Bradley Cooper's casting, I thought, well, it could be worse. They could be casting Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Which which is kind of like the kiss of death for any sort of like franchise movie. Yeah, he, of he, late, yeah. He, of late, he's not, he doesn't, see, he's, he doesn't seem to be... In, and I don't know what it is because he's not—he's not that bad of an actor. No, you know, but he just seems to every every movie that he's in in that's trying to start a franchise or something. It just tanks. Yeah, yeah. Although, God admit, Bradley Cooper was in the A Team movie, and that movie tanked as well. Yeah, well, everyone expected that movie to tank. Mm, low budget movie. You got Liam Neeson, Bradley Cooper. It should have made some. Should have made some money. It just didn't make enough. Yeah, but, but I don't, I, I don't but, think, you know, I, I don't think, in, I think a lot of people, you know, zoned out with that one based on the uh, based on the piss poor job that was done on the Starsky and Hutch film. Yeah, that's, yeah, and they kind of had, it's, basically if you've seen the TV series, you knew what you were expecting, so. Mm, TV series is still better. <laughs> yes. You know, I can't, can't get over Liam Neeson's terrible sort of like, Hannibal got certainly. <laughs> right. I love it when a plan comes together. I love it when a plan. I mean, you know, no one can do that like George Peppard. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. Right. And 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 BA without without the mohawk. Yeah, that was wrong. You know, in, in, the whole BA character was just so like wrong, and you know, 
it just didn't you know i got the film on dvd and i watched it twice and i'm i'm i, I, I um i'm so so impressed with it i'm just going to give it away <laughs> so so if anyone wants to if anyone wants a free free copy of the a team on dvd just listen to this show <laughs> <laughs> but yeah back back onto the indiana jones i mean you know disney have got it here and you know there's so much potential there they should do, yeah. they should do they, what Dark Horse didn't do, a long-running comic series. Exactly. And they, I, in my opinion, I think Dark Horse bungled it when they, when they started up an Indiana Jones series. They really picked a bad story, and, um, and the art was really subpar, and that just killed it. And there hasn't been anything since, and obviously now there won't be. I'm pretty hopeful now that um, Disney's going to move them back to Marvel Comics, which is where Indiana Jones was originally. They give some artists there some tries at it. I really think they could do a lot with it. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see a comic book series of the young Indiana Jones Chronicles as well. Yeah, the Dark Horse did that for 12 issues, and um, it was okay. But I'd really like to see some new indie adventures. I mean, we've established now that he's in the Cold War. You have all those storylines you could do after World War II when he's working for the government. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was just thinking, you know, when you when when that Bradley Cooper thing came out uh, last week, you could actually just continue the films on from the end of um, from from the end of not Crystal Skull, but you could have Bradley Cooper thinging in for the um, for for the Cold War, you know, for the pre for the World War Two stuff. Yeah, he'd be he he's great. He's like the same age Harrison Ford was when they started to film Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, I think he'd do a good job. He can handle the humor. He's got the swagger. As soon as I mentioned to my wife that they were considering Bradley Cooper, she's like, "Oh yeah, I'll go pay to see that." Yeah, and, you know, all you gotta do is find find um, find an actor with the same sort same amount of gravitas as a uh, Paul Freeman. Oh yeah, from from the um, from from the first one. I mean, Paul Freeman was a brilliant baddie. Right, right. You know, and um, and who's who's the guy that played that played the Nazi officer? Um, which one? The one with dressed in black the whole time? Yeah, the one that got his hand branded. Oh, he um. Oh, he passed away. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Yeah, he was. Fantastic. He was in an episode of Blackadder. Um, oh, no, he played. He, he played Tote. He he was awesome. Oh yeah. You know he he he's brilliant. You know so like uh, so needs to get needs to get actors of, of the caliber of those two to play villains. Right. You know. Um, so one one thing that I was troubled with about Razor the Lost Ark was the uh, was the villain the, uh, the the woman that played the Russian I forget her name now but she's a, she's an Oscar winning actress I think she's won an Oscar hasn't she Yeah she just won this year she yeah. was in uh, the Woody Allen movie she's in the Lord of the Rings movies in the Hobbit um, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Well you know I I kind of thought she was a she was a poor choice for Indiana Jones to be honest Oh really I thought she's she's one of the highlights for me I like her in the movie. Mm. I, I didn't, you know, I just, I just felt the, the, the Russian accent was a little bit weak and, and stuff like that, you know. It just didn't, didn't work for me, I'm afraid. Right. I, I liked having the change-up in villains, that they went with the Russians. I'm kind of hoping that if they do another movie, um, they really haven't gone to Asia. I'd love to see Indiana Jones in China. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, so having, the, you know, uh, Indiana Jones and the Curse of the Dragon's Tomb or something. Yeah. Oh, there's tons of things you could do. You know? I would like to see a return with short round. Even would be nice. That'd be good. Um, you know, I'm I'm surprised I didn't do that in the um, in the last film. Had have short round come round, come back as an adult. Yeah, get rid of uh, get rid of uh, mutt and add in short round instead, and it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's so like there's, there's just so much they could do. Yeah, and I think Disney's got to move forward. I mean, I was at Disneyland um, a week ago, and they had really increased the merchandise in the shop. There wasn't anything um, the month before, and all of a sudden, Harrison Ford eight by tens. And photographs and T-shirts with Harrison Ford, and I'm like, oh, they're starting to ramp up the marketing on uh, Indiana Jones again. So that has my fingers crossed that there'll be a lot more soon. Yeah, well, well, hope, hopefully there is, and um, you know, because if if there's more more new stuff comes out, we'll probably we'll probably sell like stock at Sci-Fi Plus merch. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, the store that um, you know, we, we've we've actually we're actually changing it up a little bit. Um, How so? At the moment. Well, we we we've um, we, we're looking at um, a different um, service, a different um, e-shopping service oh, okay. uh, to do it, which um, basically links directly to um, our Facebook page. Oh wow! And stuff like that, and so we're looking at that, and uh, we're we're getting the eBay stuff up and running as well. 
Um, and we, we're, we've also been looking at non-licensed products, oh. you know, such as T-shirts, you know, parody T-shirts and stuff like that. Right, right. So we, we've been looking at um, and quite a few non-licensed products to, uh, to, to, to put up there as well, um, alongside the licensed products, because... The one thing we notice when we go to the conventions and stuff like that, everyone's selling a licensed products. Right. You know, so, it, you know, and it's the same with every sort of like science fiction um, shopping website. They're all selling the licensed stuff. And right. And not, not many are selling the unlicensed stuff, as in the parody stuff. Right, so right. So we're going to start selling some of that stuff. So, you know, there's a few, few changes going on there. Um, obviously, I don't want to talk about it too much now, but it's something we'll bring up in weeks to come right on you know on here um but yeah well i'm I'm really looking forward to um indiana jones i i think what disney should do they should make three movies and they should um start the, they, they should continue the indiana jones chronicles yeah you know because there's a whole period of time between so like 1922 i think the last one was set right and uh 1935 which was when the first movie was set right right that, that that they need that they need to fill in, you know. Yeah, get get Cooper. Do it now, Disney. <laughs> yeah, do do it now. Um, forget Star Wars. Do indie. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's not go too far then. I'm I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> forget Star Trek. Do it. Oh no, they don't. Want oh, Star Trek. you took a shot. Oh. <laughs> well, I took I took a shot at Star Trek because um, you know <laughs> the last Star Trek movie just kind of sucked. Oh, it didn't kind of suck. It really did suck. <laughs> Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Patrick, it's been great having you on the show as usual. Great, great talking to you as always, Ian. And, and um, now it's um, now it's on to our uh, interview with Jane Badmer. Uh, so knock up your hamsters. <laughs> Diana is here, and we'll do that. Little was it? <laughs> was that was that the uh, thing at the adverts when it? You know, it was like that one. It was like that one continuous note. That one note, yep. <laughs> oh man, the only reason I remember that was so I, I was actually I actually rewatched uh, I rewatched um, an old video cassette of it recently. Oh wow! Um, not on video. I I basically videoed it all when I when I was a kid, and you know it was fairly good, decent copy, and <laughs> um, I had it transferred onto DVD. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> so I'm committed, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so now it's on to the interview with Jane Badler. That's a, that's the last time I'm going to do that game now. <laughs> special guest with us um, in in the form of Jane Badner, best known as uh, Diana from the uh, cult miniseries um, V. How are you doing today? I'm great, Ian. Thank you so much from sunny LA. Well, it's it's, it's actually it's actually you know really great to have you on 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 on, on with us um, from um, not so sunny, rainy kind of like uh, trying to make up his mind what it's doing at Manchester. Oh, what a shame! <laughs> yeah, it's it's so like it, it's sad because last week it was officially spring, yes. and you know we've not <laughs> really yes. we've not really had a um, you know too too many uh, white fluffy bunnies running around in the garden. Oh, um, that's sad. Like that. It's it's kind of like the weather's really funny here. It's it's trying to he's struggling to make up his mind what's what 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 he wants to do. <laughs> As always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've ever actually travelled down this way in 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 Manchester at all. No, I've spent a lot of time in London, but not Manchester. Mm-hmm. Oh well, Manchester's actually colder than London, probably. <laughs> I don't mind the cold. I've spent. I grew up in the uh, you know in in New Hampshire. 
So mm. I'm used to uh, you know inclement weather. Yeah, it's probably similar to um, it's probably similar to the uh, weather that you'd get on like New York way. Oh, um, I don't know. London's so. nothing near as cold as, as New York. Okay. Well, you know, I think the first first question, well, this is kind of like a kind of building to a question is, um, your career kind of started out very much in America. Um, how did you actually wind up working and living in Australia? Oh well, I um I did the uh, series Mission Impossible, and uh, that brought me to Australia for uh, for a long time. I was I did the first series in Queensland, and then the second series in in uh, uh, Melbourne, and I met a beautiful man. So ended up moving there for him. Mm-hmm. So it's um what what what's the work like um for, for for if you're acting in Australia? Because um you, you know I've only really known you as an actor, and I only really got into your music um, probably around about two thousand eight. Um, which was the first time I actually did an interview with you in 2008, but it was a text interview that we ran on the yes, site. And yes. it, was about, um, it was about your first CD. I think it was called uh, The Devil Has a New Disguise or something. No, The Devil Has My Double. That's the one, yeah. The Devil Has My yeah, Double. That's cute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do have it somewhere in my CD collection. Um, unfortunately, I was trying. I was trying to sort of like convert it onto my MP3 player, but my my CD-ROM is broken, so I can't do it. Um, oh. <laughs> so I, w- I wanted to try and listen to it before before doing the interview because you know from what I remember of it it was sort of like it was kind of edgy it was kind of like a, a little bit of bluesy a little bit of jazz it yeah had a had quite quite a nice mixture of styles to it. Well, the first album was very kind of indie, uh, very indie pop. It was uh, like a band in a room. We recorded over a week. It was very quick. And, uh, you know, it was, um, I guess my voice lends itself to that sound, but uh, definitely it was much more of an indie sound. And the second album probably had a lot more jazz influences in it. Yeah, unfortunately, I've never really heard the second album. So um, it's something I'm probably going to have to look for on iTunes or or something if it it (laughs) is on there. Yeah, cool. Um, but I, I, I really liked the first one. Um, there, there was some like elements um, of it that reminded me of a, um, of, a, of a band that was sort of like a late, late 90s, late, late 80s, sorry, in the 90s. Um, There's kind of like a Shakespeare sister sort of thing going on. Yeah, absolutely. That's and, very true. And, uh, well, well spotted, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Which which I which I, I kind of like that that sort of indie sort of like sound and um, and that sort of vibe kind of appeals to me um, more more so than sort of like uh, you know what what you'd call modern pop music. I can't stand boy bands and girl bands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I'm not that. <laughs> you know, I think I think they are the worst sort of thing that's happened to the music industry as a whole. Um, but you know, it's 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 kind of a what, what I kind of want to get to is um I know you mostly for um you know prior to your music for 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 the role of Diana on on, on V, um did did it actually surprise you how successful that miniseries went on to become? Oh, totally. I, I don't think anyone ever does anything uh you know expecting the uh, the uh, length of time that it's lasted. I mean, it's now thirty almost thirty years, and um it's still very popular. So. That's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, it's it's really strange because for me it doesn't feel like thirty years. It feels like only yesterday when I was on like uh, sitting up watching it with my with my parents. Yeah, I know. Me too. It went very, went very quickly. Mm-hmm. Because it, you know, I I remember being in I remember being into it, and then all of a sudden the reveal that you are lizards. And I thought, you know, I kind of look at it now and I think, damn, David right, David Ike's right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but it's um, it, it was it was a great show, and of course you um you got to uh you got to appear in the uh in the remake as well. I'm just wondering uh how how different was it for you working on the remake in, in comparison to working on on the original show? Oh, completely different. I mean, it was thirty you know many years later, and the technology was completely different. Uh, when I did uh, the original, we had like real big spaceships and. Um, you know, they didn't have green screens then. They had blue screens where you kind of imagine you saw flying objects. But um, in this new series, everything was done in a green room uh, and, uh, you know, everything was placed in later. So it was a very different uh, way of acting, a very different technique. And, uh, and of course, uh, you know, my role was very different. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I you know, by the sounds of that, to me, working on the original sounds like a, probably a much better experience because obviously I'm I'm a big kid in a sweet shop. I'd be playing on all the spaceships. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Where, yeah. No, it was. It was fantastic. It was wondrous, amazing. It was you know the time still had big studios, Warner Brothers. It was um, you know incredible. It was a wonderful thing for me for me to have done. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how did you go from from acting into music? Um, have you always be, been interested in doing your own music, or is that something that's only really kind of happened to you in in recent years? Well, you know, I always uh, was into music, kind of like what you were saying, and then uh, I um, I started singing very young, about you know seven or eight, and uh, grew up singing and playing guitar, playing flute. Um, music was always part of my life, and then I sort of walked away from it when acting became, uh, you know, when my acting career took off. And it wasn't until I moved to Australia, uh, I went back to music, you know, maybe 15 years ago I started to sing again. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, I, I kind of wish you'd actually started singing, you know, back when you was doing the acting as well. It's a pity you couldn't do both. I know. I just didn't have a voice then. You know, to me, yeah, you know, it's wonderful to be good at something, but it's also important to find your own voice. And that took me a very long time and, uh, you know, years and years. And now I feel like I have a lot to say and now I'm writing. So it makes a big difference rather than just singing covers, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get get what you're saying there. I mean, you know, covers covers are great, but at, at the end of the day, I think when you get into playing your own music and stuff like that, it's you know, it's always better for you personally if you if you if you sort of like writing and producing your own stuff, right? Absolutely, and you know, it's great doing covers in very original ways. That's that's a real art form as well. You know, a lot of bands have become very successful doing that, taking a cover and twisting it up, and you go, wow. Uh, and I love doing that as well. But um, you know, it's very satisfying to to have your own uh, your own words, sing your own words. It's a very satisfying thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, one one things that um, and you know, I'm I'm kind of like a recent musician in terms of the guitar playing, but I I'm also a singer, um, but I haven't sang in front of an audience in over seventeen years because really, I I, I can never find my voice. <laughs> In yeah, terms of, wow. of of how I of what I wanted to do with it and stuff like that, but I, I was I was I was pretty good. Um, but the one thing I've I've been learning on 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 the guitar is um, it's it's amazing how when you're sort of like trying to figure out how something's played, you more often than not accidentally come upon your own riffs and stuff like that, and that's something that I'm quite enjoying is is kind of like that journey of discovery. Um, and um, is that is that how you feel when you're writing songs? You know, you kind of like discover song like Miracle Hook and stuff like that and just go with it. Is it kind of like a, an exploration for you of sorts? Um, you know, I, I, for me, um, it's, a, it's a process where I start out stream of consciousness and uh, it just comes to me and then I just write. And then it has to be honed into a song. So it normally starts with me kind of just... Uh, you know, it could be any middle of the night on a plane. Suddenly, it just comes to me, and I have to write it. And then it's just like a, like I said, it make a stream of consciousness. And then I have to sit down and be disciplined, and often work with other people to create a song out of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you you got a new single coming out on March thirty first, uh, Volcano Boy. Yeah, and I'm just wondering what can you tell us about the song and uh, how how would you say um, you know that that song actually came about? What was the idea, the impetus of it? Well, you know, um, I I wrote my album uh, with two two very talented musicians in Australia, and and one of them is Matt Thomas. He won an ARIA. He's a very talented songwriter, and we were writing the album, and uh, my one of my producers in New York. Uh, was trying to get to uh, England, to the UK, and there had been that big volcano uh, where the skies were all sort of covered in ash and he couldn't fly there. So the night before, Matt came up with this song. This is one of the songs that I didn't write on the album about a boy that was born, like a mythical boy born out of a volcano. Cool. And, um, and it was kind of, it became this beautiful sort of idea of, you know, that everything's timeless and, you know, this kind of fabulous, peaceful feeling that we're all born of ash and that, you know, it's just a beautiful, fantastical, mythical song. 
And uh, it's probably the most positive of all the songs on the album, because most of them are quite dark. <laughs> well, well, dark's good. I mean, you know, so like... Um, um, but uh, I like the idea of, um, you know, the way you just explained it, the idea of it being sort of like a, a, a kind of modern Prometheus, kind of like a mythical sort of like a story in a song. Yes, um, very much so. I love the way you put that. Yes. Well, I I, I, saw I, re I read far too much Greek myth and far too many comic oh. books, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that. That's good. And, and yeah. listen to far too many songs that have, have kind of like a story to them, like a beginning, middle and an end, which is... Sort of, oh, yeah. I love that. That's so great. Um, what what was the title of the CD that you've, that you've got coming out, um, the, the new one? Um, so, and and when, 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 when is that going to be released um, on iTunes and, and in stores, the, the new CD? Oh, well, um, thanks, Ian. That, that's actually coming out um, uh, in September. And um, the, the first single is out next week, which is very exciting. And then the next single, will uh, called Losing You, will be coming out with another music video in August. And then September, the album is finally going to be coming out. Mm -hmm. And we can we can get we can get all this on uh, and and uh, the latest updates on your music and acting over over at janebadinger com, right? Yeah, and and you know I'm very I Twitter a lot and uh, Facebook a lot and you know about everything day to day, so it's right up to the last minute on what's happening. Uh, and I'm looking now at uh, performing uh, in the UK and uh, in Paris in June. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting a little, uh, you know, performance together now, and that right now. Cool. Um, can you ever see yourself bringing your music to Manchester? Yeah, sure. Why not? I'd love it. Because we, we've got some great venues here and, you know, it'd be great. You know, I'd love to, you know, if, you, if you're ever in the city of Manchester and I knew about it, I'd love to have the opportunity to come out and see you sing and perform, you know. Oh, that'd be great. Maybe you support me. <laughs> Um, on the guitar, if I'm if I'm actually good enough at that at that point in time, that that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and you know, um, I think you know what what are your musical influences? Um, what what sort of what sort of things, uh, musically bands and and such um, have have, re have been a real inspiration to you? You know, for for your writing and music in general. You know, growing up, I was very influenced by the Beatles and. Carol King and James Taylor were my absolute uh, idols. I, you know, played every one of their songs on the guitar and sang them. Um, and I would say that, you know, for my album, uh, in in more recent times, I was very inspired by Hurricane Grace Jones's album, mm -hmm. which I thought was just a perfect album. Every song on it, uh, you know, dark and so multi-layered, and she's such a, a diva. Um, you know, someone like Shirley Bassey has inspired me, not so much with her music, but her, her persona. Mm -hmm. uh, Portishead was a, a big inspiration for me. Um, you know, people like the Cocteau Twins or Goldfrapp. Um, I guess those kind of bands uh, have inspired my music. Wow, Shirley Bassey, damn! You know, I, I used she used to have a she used to have a, a music show on BBC when oh, I was really? when I was a kid growing up, and she'd sing all her. She'd belt out all her all her songs, you know, a lot of the Bond songs she did, as well as a, a lot of the other songs. I, I used to be so I completely new to the set when she was on. Cause she, she's, she's and, and, I, and I do a couple of her in my cab. I, I, like I'm doing a cabaret show in uh, Tasmania, and I do some of her her material in that. Because I I didn't even know Shirley Bassey was that 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 big in the states. I knew knew that people knew her in the states, but I didn't think she was you know as big in the states as maybe she she was here. Oh, she's huge all over the world. Damn, you know. So I just go show you, you know, you know how how, how much of an influence um, you know me, you know a good good singer or vocalist can have. I mean, wow. Oh, she's so unique, you know. Mm. So unique. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I, my inspirations are far and wide, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes, you know, you put the radio on and you hear, like, just a great pop song and you go, wow, uh, I'm inspired by, uh, like, a really great pop song, too. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of like that myself um, in terms um, of if I hear something I like, I'm going to listen to it again and again. Um, but if I hear something I, I don't like, it's, um, you know, the decision's made, you know, there and then right away, if, if I yeah, like something. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. Nothing really grows on me, I guess. Oh, it's, right. Like, it's it's <laughs> right. kind of like um, I either like something I, or I don't, and pretty, I'm pretty decisive <laughs> right. and, and merciless that way, I guess. Wow. Um, <laughs> 
Well, well, hopefully you don't feel that way about my new album. Um, well, you know, so like I, I haven't really heard it. Um, I, but from the sample you sent me um, for the uh, MIDI thing, which we're going to play out this in and play in and out on, on this with, um, from from what was on on there, I quite like the sound of it. So I'm I'm probably definitely going to sort of like give it a listen. Great. Um, what advice would you give to those, um, you know, to anyone now who's trying to get in, into in, in, into into the music industry by doing their own thing? You know, any sort of like uh, musicians around that that are kind of like uh, trying to do their own indie thing. You know, it is it is such a difficult time now. Uh, if you will, I mean, it's difficult, and then it's also a good time because people can take things into their own hands. As you know, labels are not important anymore. You know, there was once a time when you'd want a label. And now, you know, you don't need a label. I mean, it's great to have a label, but um, you just have to kind of get out there. You have to be very savvy on social media, get social media happening, get, you know, constantly put out YouTubes live, put things out all the time, um, and try to build a fan base. I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I bet you you've um, you've sort of like been kind of fortunate in a way that you know you've you've got quite a lot of fan base from 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 the and things that you've done in your acting career that's kind of crossed over. Yeah, no, that's very uh, very lucky. But you know, often uh, it, it's a good start, but you are, you do have to win them over as well with your music. You know, your music does you know have to stand alone, but it does uh, make people more interested in you. It. It makes people, uh, you know, you get into interviews, you have magazines wanting to interview you. Um, it helps a lot with PR because people know who you were and they find it an interesting story. Um, do, you, do you still act or are you mostly focused on, on music now? Yeah, no, I still act. I'm doing a, a film in France in June and uh, I did a film last year in L.A. Cool. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm busy. I'm lucky. I'm so lucky. But uh, I get to do wonderful projects and work with great people. It's fantastic. Okay, well, it's been really nice speaking to you, and hopefully you do bring your music to Manchester. And if I'm if I'm um, so like up to it and good enough um, at that particular point in time, I'd be quite happy to play for you. Thank you, Ian. You take care of yourself. Okay, you too. Thanks, thanks for Bye. your time. It's been wonderful speaking to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. And that was uh, the lovely Jane Jane Badner from from uh, V. She's got a, a new new CD coming out, um, and you can learn more about that um, at janebadner.com, um, and where where you also find out information on how to uh, follow her on Twitter and Facebook. Remember when science fiction drama envisioned stories that were happening where no one had gone before, discovering and exploring other worlds far, far away? While many of these series and films became cult classics, somewhere along the way, this genre got lost. Imagine if there was a place where you could go watch exciting new space opera series made specifically for the niche audience that you are. Imagine if this place was conducted by a team as passionate as you about science fiction and who would use all their background experience to make sure you get the best entertainment possible. SOS is a not-for-profit independent production facility that brings together writers, special effects wizards, and other creative talent from around the world who've worked on some of the most recognizable and respected science fiction franchises. So throw away your remote control. And get real control by joining the Space Opera Society right now. With as little as $1, you can change the future of entertainment today. 
For more information, please visit our website, which is, of course, spaceoperasociety.com, where all your questions will be answered in our Frequently Asked Questions page, and don't miss our short video presentation from some of our Space Opera series in development. I'm going to step off the limit. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Hi, my name is Steve Lund, and I play the character of Nick Sorrentino on the new sci-fi and space series, Bitten. You are listening to Sci-Fi PulseRadio.com, taking the pulse of sci-fi. And that about, uh, that about wraps things up for this week's show. Um, I'd like to thank Jane Badinger for like, joining us and um, and talking about her great music. And, um, you know, we, we've got some, you know, fantastic stuff coming up over the next few weeks, so uh, stick with us. We'll have uh, Joe Pearson on next week's show, the uh, writer, uh, producer and director of the uh, newly, newly released... Um, War of the Worlds Goliath, which um, released um, last week on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. Um, if you're a fan of science fiction and you love animation, um, you know, you can't go wrong with War of the Worlds Goliath. It's, um, it's a fantastic film. It's a um, steampunk adventure and it's, it's, it actually takes place 15 years after the original, in the original War of the Worlds. So it's, um, it's, it's a definite must-see film. Um, if if you're a fan of War of the Worlds and 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 um, also a fan of animation, and we'll be bringing you that in for you next week. Um, but thanks for listening, and we'll be back at you real soon. We offer the world order.